Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, good evening, good day. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of the Spurs Show. Thank you so much for downloading us again. Um, yes, so um, one game to talk about, really, uh, the game of the weekend. Joining me tonight, uh, two uh, gentlemen who've been on the show before. Firstly, the eminent writer, a writer of many Spurs books, I'm sure we'll touch upon later on the show, Adam Powley returns. Hi there, Mike. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you. And the man who runs one of the most iconic music venues in London, the 100 Club. Uh, many of you out there have probably been, to, been there, hopefully, and go again. Jeff Halton returns. Evening, Mike. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, right, well, let's start with the positive, really. At Leicester City, we created a lot of chances, didn't we? <laughs> or should we just skirt over just what was happening at <laughs> the back? Um, it, it was one of those where it was kind of and a few conversations afterwards, and we were trying to look back to <laughs> the worst victory uh, that we've had that we can remember. It was one of those. <laughs> it, was kind of like, it was watching it thinking, how the hell are we winning this? Mm. Uh, and yet somehow we, we managed to. I mean, a bit of an exaggeration, you know. Like we, really, so we created plenty of chances, but yeah. we just, it's repeat to fade. We're so open at the back, it's mm. untrue. We had, uh, I don't know if you heard on our show last week, we had a, um, quite a few lovely, wonderful guests. We had one... Uh, woman Emma Hayes mm. who's a manager at Chelsea Ladies big Spurs fan she came on and she just pinned and we, last week's show I mean go and listen to it we basically just talked about the back four and the gaps between central defenders and Walker and stuff yeah. and you know these, these are fans seeing it and, and seeing what's going on what I couldn't believe about the game of the weekend was nothing had been addressed <laughs> it was that worse than the United at the back wasn't yeah, it yeah I mean I've got to say that um I'm a massive fan of Carl Walker, and I've always been of the belief that actually he's always going to make the odd ricket because of the way that he plays. But he's so positive going forward that I can accept that. But he looks like he's lost all his confidence. I mean, I was listening to Phil Neville on Match Today, and I had to agree with every word he said. Him, didn't he? Yeah. Well, really, he just uh... said that you know his positional sense was shocking. I mean, and it was the same at Manchester United the week before. Um, he doesn't seem to know where he's supposed to be on the field. The, but the, the biggest thing is there's no leadership in that back four. I mean, Vertonghen by now, you know, ought to be a lot mm. more commanding than he, did, than he is. And he had Nugent and the other guy. Who's a forward. bit of a, you know, journeyman 
player. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, Nugent and the, the other guy, um, the guy with the unpronounceable Ulo, name. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was like he was up against Lionel Messi. I mean, yeah. with all respect to those two guys, you know, they're good journey footballers, but they shouldn't be tearing our centre-half as a new one like that. They just shouldn't. Mm. No, I mean, it's the shocking lack of confidence, lack of leadership, I think. I'm disappointed with Vertonghen, who's a player I've always really liked. Yeah. I think, you know, when he's on song, he's, he's, well, he's the best defender we've got full stop, but when he's on song, he, he is a quality player. He's a footballer, but I think just at the moment, I don't, well, what I don't know what it is, me whether he's away him, or Adam something. As well, or what, is that he just, I'm not sure if he cares that much. I yeah. mean, he, he, he has that demeanour. He has that demeanour yeah. that he doesn't yeah. care. The way he just. Yeah. Holds and you know, you've got young pitch. Eric Dyer alongside him, who I think's a potentially really good kid. He needs mm. somebody. He needs a leader alongside him. He needs somebody alongside him that's telling him what to do, that's giving him some guidance. And I don't think he's getting that from Vertonghen at all. Um, in fact, the best player we've had, I think, recently in our back four has been Danny Rose. Well, I thought Danny Rose, so I thought, you know, uh, you know, Danny Rose, you know, certainly listens out there, splits, splits opinion, but I thought he had a good game, largely. A couple of really, really important last-ditch tackles, and there was yeah. one header that I remember yeah. uh, when it looked like they were going to score. And, and he, is, he is emerging as a, 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 as a decent fullback. We, you know, he obviously started out as a wing, and it was a bit like, well, can he, you know, you know fit back into defence. But again, but, talking uh, about attitude, you know, Danny Rose to me has a fantastic attitude. He looks like mm. a winner to me. I, I know that he's got his critics at Spurs, but he's still, what is he, 24 still? I mean, he's still not at his peak yet mm. for a player. Mm. And I, I think, you know, I think he's been, a re- I think he's played really well for us mm. this season, Danny Rose. I really do. Something interesting about him, I think, is that he has improved this season. He's become a bit more consistent. He's still, you still think there's an error in him, and mm-hmm. I think maybe the way the team's set up is that he, he gets caught out of position quite a bit. Um, but someone made the point, I think it might have been Charlie Parrish, he's been on the show before, mm. and he was saying that you can see the benefit that um, Danny Rose has had from having like a whole season and a pre-season with yeah. Pochettino. Right, maybe he's instilled something into him. Walker's obviously been out for a long time. Mm. While he was out, he was saying that you know one of the things that the benefit is that he's really going to study the game and and learn the game and hone his positional sense and all the rest of it, which makes you kind of think, looking at him play, that he, he didn't do much homework because he just <laughs> looks. I'm sorry to say it, and I hate picking on individuals, but. Some of the things he was getting up to in, in, the, in the Leicester game, you're thinking this just guys. Just but he's obviously encouraged gone. to bump to move forward, and, and look, and, he, and he's great. I mean, the, mm. the second goal came from him, from Memi putting the ball in. So, and, and he's largely good at that, and he's got that pace. But there's got to be something whereby someone covers for him, or, 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 or something goes on because it, it's it the keeps whole happening. Right and the thing side. that thing yeah. I just find strange is that. You know, all seasons we talk about, oh, so many games, you know, two, three games a week. We're now back to one game a week, right? Yeah. So they've got no injuries, so they've got a whole week to work on stuff. You would imagine after that United game, all they worked on was shape, keeping your shape, keeping your shape. And let's be honest, against all you're playing Leicester City, yeah. fighting for their lives, but, you know, a game we should win. It, it, it should be quite an easy thing just, just That's the to slightly worrying out. thing is, you know, Manchester United, you know, at the end of the day, it is Manchester United. I mean... I was so disappointed with that result and that performance. Mm. It was shocking. But you think, well, you know, United decided... They were, ma- they were magnificent again at the, um, yesterday. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you think, well, Man United are capable of doing that. But yeah. when you see the same things happening against Leicester mm. at home, who are bottom of the league, that mm. is a major worry. That is a major worry for me. Yeah. I, I think part of it is as well with the... <laughs> 
maybe the expectations we have because we've we've had a good run of form. We're still in, in, in yeah in a spell of good form, actually, when you look at it. Yeah. Uh, and we've had some fantastic results. And there's obviously been this progression of the side, and you can see Pochettino is starting to make his mark. But really, maybe like these last couple of performances and results have shaken us up a bit and remind us, actually, what this, this squad's about. Yeah. I can understand, you know, there, there's a few people saying, oh, Fazio's got to come back in, this, that and the other. We've got to play Dembele, we've got to play Lamello instead of Townsend and all this kind of thing. <laughs> and I can see the argument, mm. right, but really, I think it exposes what this squad is about at the moment. Mm. It's not Pochettino's squad, for no, starters. True. He's got to work with what he's got. And I think he's made the decision. He virtually admitted it. He was saying about how they were going to set up for the Man U game. And he said, well, you know, it's more about how we're going to set up to attack them. That's his philosophy. He's going to go forward. Mm. I think he's looked at it and realised we're not a club, we're not a squad that can defend, shut up shop, all the rest of it. Attack is the best form of defence, maybe that kind of mentality. Until he gets his own players in, until he can you know, have a good run at the team, good run at the squad and make his mark, I think it's, in a way, hard to make judgments. And to be honest, this team, this squad... It was bound to be ups and downs throughout the season. What do we season. think of Fazio, though? I mean, again, he's a guy that divides opinion. I watched the two back-to-back games at the start of the year against Manchester United and Chelsea, and I know that, you know, he, he didn't trap the ball particularly... Well, it went straight to Hazard, who went through and scored their second goal. But I thought, other than that mistake, mm. against Chelsea and Manchester United, who are two major teams, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I think he's good facing forward. He's not groping the balls over his head and he's trying to turn and run. I think no. he's got much pace. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think, in fairness, you know, if you're winning games, you don't change your defence. You know, I'm a great believer when you keep... How many time, I mean, that was the problem we had before, just chopping change. You never knew the butt four we were going to be. You never knew the two centre-backs. So I'm quite happy with, with largely with Tong and, 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 and uh, if he keeps them there. That, that's fine. And you know what? Most Spurs fans out there will be quite happy to win 4-3 every game as long as we're putting the ball in the net. <laughs> so, I mean, you can, you can look at it that way. But looking forward, he's, he's got to think about just, just the system. I mean, if you look at the goals we gave away, I mean, the third one was, was laughable mm. with Vertonghen just not, just not being strong enough. And that's, that's generally a problem with this team that we can look lightweight but again. I think, as Adam said, no and I agree totally, uh, this is not a Maurizio Potticino's yeah. team. He needs to build his own team. I think, to be honest with you, what he's done so far this season has been miraculous. I mean, to have actually been on the cusp of a top-four place, we're not likely to get it, to have got to a final, to have got as far as we did in the um, uh, Europa Cup, bringing all these young kids through that we're all really, really excited about, I think... What Spurs need to do is look at this guy and say, in my opinion, this is the guy now that needs to take us forward over the next three or four years. They need to give him whatever he needs. I mean, we know there's not going to be a great deal of money because we've got the stadium to build and everything else. But the new Sky deal means every time we're on TV, it's 10 million quid going into the pot. So we will have some money. I think we have to throw our trust into this guy because I have more faith in him than probably, well, since Harry, probably, to be Mm. honest with you. Um, and I honestly think that if Spurs stick by him and support him and let him slowly build a team, we're not, probably not going to make Champions League realistically for another couple of years because there's still teams that are bankrolled out there, but we, I think we'll get there with this Well, guy. I think if you look to the... If, if, you know, obviously, we're not past those conversations, but if you looked at the beginning of the season when he came in and you said, what's par for this manager with mm. his team? You would have gone, you know, six or seven, yeah, you would have a good cup run. Well, we've had that. We have had, we probably will finish sixth or seventh, and we've had a good cup run. So, 
you know, you obviously, as I agree with you, Jeff, you've got to let him now move on. And, well, and, also, and, you know, I think he's brought a bit of pride back. I mean, I don't think I've ever been as happy about losing the cup final as I was watching us against Chelsea. I thought we were fantastic in that game. I thought we were absolutely brilliant. That midfield of all those young academy kids, um, I, th- I thought they gave Chelsea a footballing lesson up till half time. We lost our way a little bit when Chelsea's second goal went in. But then again, I thought we could, you know, players like Fabregas, Ramirez were completely bossed in that game. I was at the 5 3 when we beat Chelsea. We were fantastic against Arsenal. I mean, you know, Pochettino has proved that when things do click, mm. his way is the right way to go without any question. Yeah, I like the cut of his jib. It's, yeah, it, so many times we've had it with these, these new managers. and it, I don't know, it seems to be every time I come on this programme, we talk about mm. Spurs being new on manner. the threshold. But yeah, that's yeah, how yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> what's going to happen in the summer? Is he going to get the players he wanted? He didn't in the summer. He didn't get Schneiderlin. He didn't get Masaccio. So what, what, I mean, for whatever reason. Why is he going to get them again this, this time? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's, my, that's, that's the concern. Fear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think as well it would be interesting. Like, let's see, he was actually, I think it was touched on last time as well, looking about the players that we bought with the bail money, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the seven, the magnificent seven, mm-hmm. the Beatles, as they were described. And God knows what name we're going to give to them now. But I think it was only two of them started on Saturday, uh, Ericsson and Chadley, yeah. right? And Ericsson, I love Ericsson, I think. Yeah. He, he's a proper Spurs player, yeah. but... You've got to admit, didn't have a good game. Yeah, he didn't have a good game, and he can drift in and out. Mm-hmm. Chadley, you know, he's got two a few sitters. goals, but... Missed yeah, two absolute, missed two absolute sitters. sitters. Uh, and the rest of them either on the bench or mm. missing completely. Yeah. The, what's been good about Spurs this season is the combination of, well, obviously, Harry Kane, Bentaleb, Mason coming yeah. through to an extent. Well, I think that some of the expectations on him are a little bit unfair. Um, and, you know, that's the real highlight of the season. Mm. What's going to happen to those players? Are they going to be sticking around? Are they going to be going? Is... Pochettino going to be getting the players that he wants in instead that are going to suit his system. Mm. It's a really big question. It's yeah. a really big issue. What's going to happen? Well, you summer. hope. I mean, you hope now that you know. I know there's quite a few games to go, but you hope these sort of deals are sort of in the background being done now, aren't they? Why? There's no reason. You know, if you're a decent player and Pochettino sits you down, you know, want to sign for Spurs, he can he can show they can come to Spurs. Go look. There's your problem. That's the guy you're going to be replacing. This is what I want you to be doing. This is how we work and. And, and put out, you know, the new stadium has been built now. You know, all those things in order to sell the club mm. to whoever these players are. Surely it's, really it's been, done, been, do, been done now. From the outside looking in, though, it always seems to me as if Spurs want to sell before they buy. Yeah. And also, I think that yeah. Daniel Levy has a figure in his head mm. that he wants to sell these players for, which is yeah. probably unrealistic. I understand that he wants to get his money back, but... I think there's very little chance that he's going to get his money back on many of those players that we bought with the bail money. I really do. So who, who would you get shot of at the end of the season? Well, I think... Uh, if, if, if Levy got the money he wanted for them. <laughs> Chiriches, he's got to go. Yeah. Um, uh, Capu. Uh, Polinho. Polinho. Do you know what? He came on and I set thought he up, actually set had up the, uh, Set up the fourth goal. I thought he changed things a little bit. I'll, I'm tempted to stick with him. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted also to stick with Soldado because despite all the evidence to the contrary, I still think there's a player there. Um, it's just whether the manager well, can get it out of Well, him we're not going to get anything like we pay for him back. No, so, exactly. You know. The thing and is, I'm, he's a magnificent footballer. I agree, Adam. I yeah, mean, you, know, you watch it, his touch and his vision is amazing, but... I think like a lot of players, we've seen it now with Di Maria at Manchester United. I think 
when they leave a very technical league mm. like La Ligia and then they come to the blood and thunder and the 100 mile an hour, which is what sells the premiership all around the world, I think they struggle, mm. literally, with the physical side of it. And that's what I think Soldado's biggest problem is. Well, I think that the, the big problem going, you know, going over old ground, but the, the, the seven that were brought in, not one... Premiership, premiership game, player. bit of experience yeah. between exactly, them. Yeah. And actually, you looked on Saturday, and I thought one of the best players was Cambiasso. Um, very experienced, been around the block, knows what he's doing. He's obviously past his peak, but he, he's done a job for Leicester this season. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, what's going to be interesting? We're not going to get that stellar star talent. We haven't got the cachet and the, the money like to compete with the, with the top four clubs on that basis. We won't pay the wages for starters. But whoever they bring in, I want to see someone that can almost like slot in straight away. Mm. Bit yeah. of experience, With a bit yeah. of especially experience. in the middle of the park. Yeah. Because we've got the, the young, we've got the, the young players, we've got the players through the academy that we hope will go on and improve. Yeah. But as we said in the show last week, we, I, you know, I really think we need, as you just said, a couple of experienced players who've been there and done it. Yeah. And yeah. you know, but if you believe, I think it was in the Telegraph a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there's another four or five young lads that are earmarked mm. uh, to come through the academy and join the first team squad next mm. season so all that side of it all that investment that Daniel Levy's put in to the t- new training facility all seems to suddenly be paying dividends now I mean I was watching Harry Kane against uh, Leicester the other day and as I have all season and the first thing I worry about with any young kid coming through is is this just going to be a one season wonder you yeah. know but when I watch him, if you watch him, he scores so many different types so of goals. Absolutely. He scores the worldlies like he did against Chelsea. Mm. Then the header against Arsenal was absolutely mm. sublime. And then you look at that first goal he got against Leicester. He's yeah. in exactly the right place at the right time. It was, like Lin- was Lineker like, exactly. wasn't it? Exactly. I was going to say Lineker or, or Shearer. Mm. And again, against Leicester, the first goal. Yeah. You know, he's, the ball's just come to him and he's in exa- He seems to just like, yeah. uh, all real strikers, he seems to know instinctively <laughs> where that ball is. He scores all kinds of goals. And when you think, you know, he didn't really start playing until November... That he, mm. If he scores one more goal, he's going to be the first Spurs player since Lineker to... Klinsman. Uh, was it Klinsman? Since Klinsman to score yeah. 30 in the season. First English. That's so is that, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's yeah. an incredible feat, really. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, let's, let's you know, try and look at the positive stats. You know, as you said, you know, there is the Kane hat-trick, although the second one you could argue was, you know, wasn't you know, deflection. Uh, Rose played well. Ben Sleb had a better game, I thought. I think than he Ben Sleb's a fantastic. Although player. you know, could have been sent off with slapping that yeah. player. Yeah, could have yeah. you know, could have put us in trouble. Um, Townsend is still sort of flattering to deceive, isn't he? It's yeah. just you know, you sort of think this is it, and it's just doesn't do enough for me. There's no end product there yet, is there? It's a bit of but a one trick pony. But I, I think, think. there's the, there was a, a really really good player still waiting to come out. Would yeah, you, would you agree with that? But possibly, I think. In a sense, he's trying too much when he comes yeah. into the team. He thinks he's got to make an impact, like he did when in his, in his England games, where yeah. he's made his main name this season. I can understand why Pochettino's picking him, because he has got raw pace and he mm. can, on the day, he can do something. I kind of, I looked at Aaron Lennon yesterday, like mm. playing yeah. for, for, for Everton, and I can understand the reasons why he's gone, you know, and you've got to go with the manager's decision on him. But I just thought, really? Mm. Is he, was, could we have done with That's him this season? That's a strange one to me as well. I yeah. don't understand that either. Well, the, I think it was a disciplinary reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, that yeah. could be the issue there. But is that the door shut now on him? Mm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I, there are positives. There are positives to take, as we were saying about the young players emerging. And I think I agree with you. I think Bentaleb's got a, yeah. a really good shout. Um, it's the manager, really, I've got the faith in, probably yeah, like, unwisely. But um, 
if you I kind of something happened today on the train coming up and bear with me Go indulge on. me for a bit right <laughs> but a guy opposite me was reading a book by the famous philosopher and Spurs fan AJ Ayer and he had developed this theory of logical positivism right and I thought that sums us up in a way right <laughs> there is some kind of logical positive things that we can take from this season and and we can build on but it all comes down to are they going to back the manager? Yeah, are they going to let him get on yeah. with the job? They've got a good recruitment team there now. They've, uh, got, they've, got, they've got to back him now. They, they gave him a five-year deal or something, didn't they? Let's hope, let's hope. But, you know, managers yeah, before and at Spurs have had five years deals. And also, and what's happened you know, them? you must... It, it's, it, 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 surely lessons have to be learnt now. I mean, there's been so many managers come and gone and the, the plan's been ripped up and we've yeah. started again in a different direction and that hasn't worked, surely someone has to just, whether it's the chairman himself or an advisor, has to say to him, look, you've just got to leave B now. Mm. Let's just see what happens. We're not going to get relegated. Let's just see what happens over the next two years. You know, surely it's time for a bit of patience. It has to be. And I I agree with Adam again. I like the cut of this guy's jib. I like Mm. him as a person. I think he interviews fantastically. That story about his brother and his two sons being offered a seat in the director's (coughs) box at QPR, but Mm. preferring to sit with the fans at Spurs... And Potocino going over at the end, taking photographs of them. I mean, I love that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. That, that's that's what that's yeah. the heart and soul of any football club, you know. And yeah, I think no, Potocino, probably because of his Latin, Argentinian roots, where there's all that passion. And we, and let's face it, we all love an Argentinian at Spurs anyway. Mm. I just kind of think the fit's perfect. I really do. Mm. One th- one thing that did, did sort of um, found quite worrying, really, was you know it was a Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. We're playing Leicester City, bottom league. You know, on paper. This was three points. And the game didn't sell out. The game did not sell out. There was empty seats there. I know people who couldn't go put their tickets on Stop Up, couldn't get rid of them on Stop Up because the game hadn't officially sold out. Now, we're about to move into a 55,000 mm. stadium. Yeah. Um, and we can't sell out 36,000 36, stadiums. Yeah. Is that a worry or was there something else going on this weekend I didn't know about? I think as a fan, it's a worry because you want to see a full stadium. I yeah. think as far as the, the club are concerned, they're not bothered whether seat's taken or not as long as they've got the money for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, same thing happens at Arsenal, you know, yeah. when they publish their attendance figures of 60, just over 60,000. Uh, the Arsenal fans are, that I know all laugh because they look at scores of seats around them that are empty, that aren't taken. Uh, <coughs> That w- that's going to happen at the new mm. ground, unless they're very, very imaginative in their pricing. And they, they have to be. They yeah, have to be, I think. They get the kids in and that kind of thing. The yeah. other thing that does worry me slightly as well is that I think that what you're getting now, not just at Spurs, but at all London grounds, is like a football audience. Mm. Um, London is now the most um, visited city anywhere in the world. And at present, it happens to have six premiership clubs. And the premiership, as we all know is the most hyped-up league anywhere in the world. It's not the best, Mm. in my opinion. It's the most hyped. So whenever I go to Spurs now, um, I'm surrounded now by hundreds of football tourists. You know, Mm. perfectly Mm. nice people, but from France, from Spain, from uh, Japan, Korea, from wherever. But they're not Spurs fans. Mm. You know, um, they they jump up and get excited when Spurs score against whoever it is. But it's kind of draining on the atmosphere you know yeah. so what you're getting at Spurs now and you're getting at this like, with all London clubs now is you're getting football tourists coming rather than fans and I think yeah. that that has a real yeah. um, no, detrimental effect on the atmosphere as yeah. well yeah. yeah good point and what do, you, what do you think about I mean you know the one thing that I think we're lacking and and you know it's it's um, been you know evident for a while that lead you in the team when things are going wrong or you know the Leicester game when it was 4-2 that should mean game over they shouldn't have got another goal and whatever 
what, is there any sort of players out there you think he'd be good at Spurs? This is the sort of player that you think could come in and become the, the proper captain that you want on the, on the pitch? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I'm, it is that kind of player we need for definite. I'd have to think about who Do you think a Mason is. could grow into that kind of player, do you think? I think or? Bentaleb could. Yeah. yeah. I think he seems to have that attitude and you mm. can see him, like, you know, being a bit vocal. Um, but, I mean, how old is Bentaleb now? Is he 19? 19 or I think, you know, yeah. that's not going to happen yet. Like, he may grow into that role. Um, but in the meantime, I think we need to, as we're going back talking about the recruitment, the kind of players we need to bring in. Um, you know, I always thought when we bought the seven again I thought like we should have bought in someone like Leighton Baines mm. someone that just knows their way around it not mm. world class by any means you know but consistent mm. good performer reliable and he's going to improve the players around him yeah. in the way that he, he plays and interacts with them as well so you know look that's where it comes down to the all those new uh, coaches and uh, football directors and recruitment managers will be brought in like that's that's their job that's what they're going to be well paid for so hopefully they're going to and also the on the subject of leaders, you know, I mean, is it a dying breed now? I mean, are there many of those players anywhere? I mean, I can't think of any at Arsenal even. Uh, I can't think of anyone like that at Spurs. I mean, the, United were the last team under Ferguson that had a yeah. number of players like that, you know. Yeah. And there was obviously Vieira going back 10 years now at Arsenal. But um, I, I think that kind of captain, that sort of leader... Is, is a dying breed now, sadly, because maybe it's because the game's become almost um, uh, contact-free. Maybe that's the reason, I don't know. But it's just, I look at, at most teams now, I look at Manchester City, I don't really see any real leaders there. Yaya Torre, perhaps. Uh, you've got John Terry, obviously, at, at Chelsea. Um, but again, at Arsenal, I'm scratching my head to think mm. of anyone. I just think it's mm. a dying breed now. You might be right, Jeff. I think, you know, what it is, maybe, is that you're looking for players... The individuals, you know, all of them that are playing, to be yeah. responsible for what they're doing, to be professional enough, to be well-trained, to be well-coached and managed, and to go out and do what the manager wants them and to yeah, do. And yeah, I was watching El Clasico last night. Sergio Ramos, I mean, that guy, whether you like Real Madrid or not, I mean, he would just run through brick walls for you. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny that that's going on over there in a sort of more technical league, and I'm sure there's one or two others like that. But I really, that was one thing I really noticed watching it last night is that they had a player there that would literally die for the club, you know. Mm. And I just don't think we have those players in mm. this country or playing in this league anymore. Right? Yeah, fair enough. Now, um, you, you touched on Argentina now, and, and, and for those of you out there who didn't realise, Adam, Adam wrote uh, many books, but one wonderful book with Martin Cloak, The Boys from White Hart Lane, all about the early 80s uh, yeah. Tottenham side. Um, on Monday, May the 25th, we have our end-of-season live show. It's a bank holiday Monday, so hopefully a lot of you can... Uh, Come on down. And we have, you know, two legends of, 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 of the club, Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Villa. Gentlemen, can you remember, mainly for our sort of younger listeners that might not know the impact these two players had on our club and continue to have on our club in a way, can you remember sort of where you were and how you felt when all of a sudden on the news, headline the news that morning, top oh, yeah, side I remember two exactly World I Cup winners? Because it's nowadays, you know, we're used to foreign players, but they were the first. I mean, I know there were others before, but they were the first major players and to get two in at that time. And this is the club, don't forget, we'd been relegated. We'd just come up. It wasn't like we were a Man United or Liverpool, more importantly, at that stage. You know, we were a club going all we're back in the first division. It was unbelievable. Wasn't you know, it? I just left school and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was working for a, a family friend on a building site in Bankery in Scotland. And the, uh, the 1978 World Cup, which is probably still my favourite World Cup ever. Mm. 
um, with all the ticker tape reception that just finished. And I'd seen Aussie Ardiles, and I just loved that Argentina team. I loved the kit. I loved the way they played. I remember they all—they're all wearing uniform Puma boots, which is something you never ever saw at the time. And then uh, I'm on the building site, and my uncle comes over to me and says, "Jeff." Have a look at this on the back page of the Sun. There's a picture of Keith Birkinshaw with Ozzy Hardilis and Ricky Villa. Oh, and I had no idea who Ricky Villa was. I'm not sure. Yeah, many he was like a sub, did. wasn't yeah. he? he? Didn't play the start. <laughs> and I days. couldn't believe it. And I remember it like yesterday because, like listening to the Sex Pistols for the first time, it's a moment I've never forgotten in my life. It was just the most exciting thing, probably even still, that's ever happened to me as a Spurs fan. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. And I remember going to the. The first game of the season against Nottingham Forest, yeah. they were the champions the year. Um, yeah. And getting a one-all draw and the away fans, the atmosphere and everything was just amazing. And then, of course, uh, as in typical Tottenham fashion, typical the Tottenham very fashion. next game, the wheels Aston fell Villa off. Yeah. Home. <laughs> 4-1, 4-1 <laughs> to beat at home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, welcome to England, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it, similar. I remember the, the first time I heard of it, it was a, a friend of mine who was, he was going through a weird phase where he was supporting Liverpool. Uh, and we were just coming home from school and he said, like, you signed uh, Ardiles and some bloke called Ricky V and everything. And the reaction was, yeah, right, okay. Mm. Uh, and then obviously like, the news was on the bulletins. And I remember this distinctly as well. It was on the news that night, the mm. 9 o'clock news on BBC. And they didn't do things like that. They no. didn't do football stories. They might no. have a little bit if yeah. Liverpool won the league yeah. or something. But this was such incredible news that they yeah. put it yeah. on, on the main bulletin. Uh, the headline, I think, is either Daily Express or Daily Mail, Spurs Scoop the World, which kind of like summed it up. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought this is this is what my club's about in a way. You know, this is this is the kind of thing we do. It might all go horribly pear shaped. It might go really badly wrong. But who cares? You know, it's like proper Spurs players, glamour Spurs oh, players, and, and making the news and, and really going for it. You know, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you saw it was on it was on after the United game, the, the Glenn Hoddle tribute show on Sky. Oh, I missed that. Up. Yeah. yeah. It was all right. The footage they had, they literally looked like they just nicked off YouTube. It wasn't like, like the original ITV footage and stuff. And it had, you know, all the famous goals. But um, they both were interviewed on that, Ozzy and Ozzy and Ricky. And, and I mean, well, you interviewed them for your wonderful book. Those of you who haven't got it yet, go out. It's on Amazon, VSP Publishing, The Boys from yeah. White Hart Lane. One of the, you know... For, for, it is a great for, book. For, for, I know in the 60s there was the glory game about that, that you know, that, that, sorry, the 70s, I beg your pardon, um, with, with Hunter Davis. But for, for the 80s period, it's the best book on Tottenham, the 80s period, because you've got so many players talking about that, that, that time. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's down to the, the players themselves because they're fantastic talkers. They can talk a really good game. And they've got that distance from when it happened yeah. as well and that sort of reflection on it. Um, but, you know, Martin tells a great story about when he, he went and met Ozzy and, in his home in Cheshunt and everything and the kind of character he was. And he, I think what comes out is, is so distinct about how bright, how in, clever, how intelligent he was. Mm. And Steve Perriman made mention of it. Like, very quickly, despite the language barrier... He could tell how sharp and how shrewd Ozzy Ardiles was. Like he yeah. fitted into the dressing room straight away. He coped with it, you know, and he, he, he really acclimatised like to the club and to the to the game in Britain like straight away. Ricky, it took him a little longer, mm. and I think that was, to be honest, like reflected in the way he plays. He was a bit of an in and out player. Yeah, he was capable, the spectacular, but also. Um, you know, could drift out of games. Yeah, lose the ball in midfield and then get on his back a bit. Exactly, and stuff. But, exactly. But you always knew, you know, you, you, you always knew, which he did throughout his career, but 
these extraordinary goals from out of nowhere as well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you know? but the, oh. the, the quality of the play, I mean, it's one of those ones where you think, I didn't appreciate it enough at the time how good mm, yeah. a player Ozzy Ardiles was. Yeah. But and we'd never seen... We, I mean, I don't think in the, 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 then the English First Division, we hadn't seen a player like that with that kind of skill and that sort of movement and quick quick feet and quick vision of where players were and stuff. I mean, that was so unbelievable, wasn't it? Well, and we then, talk about leaders, you know. Yeah. About, uh, Ozzy was a leader in the sense, not being vocal. He wasn't going around grabbing people by the scruff of the neck and, you know, rolling his sleeves up, muck and bullets kind of thing. Mm. But he led by example and he, he made other players around him better. Mm. Now, if that's not leadership in yeah. a way, I don't know what is, you know. Like he, he, he did it by example yeah. and what he actually did out, out on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, no, he was a, he was a wonderful player, and um, you know, talk, th- just thinking back, that it just makes the hairs in the back of your neck stand oh, yeah. up because there were some amazing. So, I mean, Ricky Villa as well, as you say, it took him a little while to settle in, but I remember the hat trick he got was it at home to Wolves? Wolves yeah, yeah. six one, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And of course, one of my greatest nights ever, the cup semi final against Wolves, yeah. um, and we'd been to Hillsborough the day, uh, yeah. the three days before. Felt cheated, didn't we? Coming back cheated after that. Hit and also, dive. you know, the and you know, without one, this is not the time or place now. But I remember actually being at Hillsborough, and be, and obviously what happened at Hillsborough happened five yeah. years later, and that could so easily have happened to well, us because yeah. yes, it was yeah, absolutely right. horrendous. Yeah. Um, but then coming out of there, and then being in the North Bank, and all these little Arsenal thugs like chucking stones at us <laughs> in the North Bank <laughs> as we're winning three 0 and, and uh, yeah. you know. Three and a quarter sides, a bit like Hillsborough, full of Spurs fans, and that goal from Villa is still one of the best goals ever. So, because of the occasion, I'm trying to work fantastic. out why that replay was played at Highbury because it's completely unfair for Wolves. Yeah. There was barely any Wolves fans there yeah. from memory. Yeah, they had the clock end, didn't they? And I don't the, think it was that full. one section of it. They didn't, yeah. didn't even have the whole end. Yeah, they didn't even have the whole end. I don't know why. End, I don't know what happened. Why it wasn't a Villa Park? Don't or, know. Or, no idea. Unfair, why. but hey, well, it was wonderful. You know? it was yeah. an amazing <laughs> night. Well, anyway, it was an amazing night, and Monday, May the 25th, will be an amazing night. So. If you only got your tickets, and uh, it'd be lovely because when we do these events, you can go up and meet them and get stuff signed and have your photo taken with. Ozzie and the other Ricky. thing about that book as well, Adam, you're talking mm. about leaders, is you realise just how much of a leader Stevie P was as well. Because oh, even now, all these years later, the players mm. still call him Governor, don't they? Skip, or Skip, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And and actually, when we were ringing people up, like to ask them if they wanted to be interviewed, the first question they asked is, "What Skip said." Steve said, "It's okay." Yeah, yeah. Right. okay, that's good enough for me. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. very true. All those years on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Ozzy and Ricky go to live.spurshow.net and Ricky's over from Argentina. So, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, very also quickly as well, uh, you can also sign up and play the football pools and get four games free on us. Go to bit.ly slash Spurs pools. Um, no game this weekend because um, the international break. Um, but Harry Kane's obviously got his call up for England. Already players dropping like flies. So you think he'll start on, the, on the, the, the qualifier game, or do you think they'll hold him back for the uh, friendly we've got a few days later? I, uh, you almost, I don't want him to play. I, I, I don't, don't want, want him to play. <laughs> we, we don't I just want him to come back. Yeah, wrap him in cotton wool. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's um, uh, my concern is is that like you know just as hope he doesn't come back with an injury. Look, for him, you know, be really pleased for him if he gets his debut, you know, and, and, and does well. But uh, the more immediate selfish concerns are that he stays injury-free and he yeah, comes I back. Yeah, I agree. But I think there's such a clamour for him now. I think he definitely will yeah. start. I think Roy Hodgson's already seen 
the potential of him playing up there with Wayne Rooney just mm. behind him. I mean, he's spoken about that already. Yeah. I think there's a very good chance he will start the game. Yeah. I think, I think, and I think he'll score. I think uh, yeah. well, if he does start, I think well, he's, he's in a rich team of form at the moment. That's for certain. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. we we wish him well. Um, yeah, of course. Before we go, um, because uh, we didn't touch on it last week because it was the awful United defeat and we had a, a lot of stuff to get off our chest. But one thing we haven't talked about on the show for a couple of weeks was the very sad passing of Dave Mackay, uh, who to many, many people who saw him play was the epitome of Tottenham Hotspur and a very skillful player who scored goals and talk about leaders, probably the greatest leader vociferously as well, you know, Barb. Blanche Flair that Tottenham have ever had. Did you ever did you get to see him his I latter s- years? No, or? I didn't see him play in a Spurs show. I saw him play for Derby. Um, and I remember even as a young lad thinking, why on earth did we let this guy go? Because he was so good. Yeah. And my dad, who was a Spurs fan during the 50s and 60s, he said to me, you know, uh, a long, long time ago, I've been blessed to see many, many great players at Spurs. And he mentioned, you know, Greaves and Blanche Flair, John White, these guys. But in my dad's book, and he's seen some football in his time, he reckons that Mackay was the best he'd ever mm. seen in a Tottenham shirt. So yeah. he was a fantastic player. He was the many that, that, that saw him, wasn't he, Mackay? Yeah, I mean, very similar experience. Uh, you know, unfortunately, didn't see him to play, but my dad did. And, mm. he, and he, you know, my dad, not particularly sentimental man or given over to sentiment but if you had mentioned Mackay to him he suddenly sort of like drift off and his <laughs> eyes would go and you know almost hear bagpipes and things like because he, yeah. he just said he was just such an incredible player yeah. I had you know the real uh, privilege of uh, Martin and myself we met him a few years ago when um, it was Paolo Hewitt actually was doing a, a kind of a uh, uh, a football literary night and it was going to mm. suppose it was bill was going to be a showdown between spurs authors and arsenal authors mm. uh, and uh, surprise surprise the arsenal, arsenal authors didn't turn up so we had the, <laughs> the you know free reign but mckay dave mckay was there like to talk about was that his Filthy book McNasty? that's the one no, I yeah. Remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 dave was there like to talk about his book and you know we got the, the privilege of meeting him and um just before and I, I remember asking the kind of like really stupid question and I thought it was one of those it's like why did you ask that because I was talking about Brian Clough and I said like you know do you think he, he'd be able to thrive in the modern game you know like the game's passing mm-hmm. in Brian and all the rest of it and he, I just got like the kind of sort of steely Mackay stare for a couple of seconds and for you know one brief moment kind of like realised what it must have been like to play against him and then he just indulged me with this, this answer and explained it Strange, he, w- he wasn't a big, intimidating, physically... He was like five uh, foot seven, five yeah. foot eight. Yeah, but just one of those, it's... I hate to say that word, aura, but he mm. did carry that around him. He just had yeah. that kind of special quality, indefinable, whatever it is, but yeah. he had it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, that's, that's, that's a lovely story. Uh, well, that's it, uh, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. Very quickly, if you want to join our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter, or if you haven't got them yet, they're free. Go and get the... Uh, Spurs show uh, iPhone app you get all the shows in there and news and, and updates and stuff everything is at spurshow.net we're going to have a week off next week because there's obviously no games to talk about this weekend so we'll be back the week after that Jeff thank you so much for joining us again Lovely thanks Mike thanks for asking me and thank you so much Adam great to Pleasure. have you on really again enjoyed. Sports Social Podcast Network I'm Victoria Cash thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day press 1 If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.